Hey team, welcome to the off-season. The off-season is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from a trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Hey guys, we made it to episode six of the off season. Uh, today, I have a little bit of a treat for you guys. It's Maria Radlich. She's a physiotherapist, but does pelvic floor physio. Um, part of this podcast was A, to hear the stories of athletes, but B, to also educate on the different options for athletes to perform at their best. So this is kind of the first practitioner that we have on and it's fascinating. This girl drops so much knowledge on us. So I hope you enjoy. So, hey, Maria, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Cokes. Awesome. So part of this podcast is like where I'm talking to a lot of athletes. And um, I think another really beneficial thing for athletes would be to know what healthcare providers have to offer. Totally. Um, and I saw you speak at a bunch of different things now. And we've <laughs> done some talks together. Hey? We've done a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, just you're such a wealth of information and so Thank much that pertains to athletes. So why don't you tell everyone what you do? Yeah, so I am a physiotherapist, but I have specialized training in the pelvic floor. So basically for anyone who doesn't really know what that is, um, it's the group of muscles or basically everything within the pelvic bowl. Um, So exactly where you think right in between your two hips, um, in between your core. So essentially to access muscles, you can either go vaginally or rectally to get there. So yeah, that's what I do all day. (laughs) That's awesome. And I think like, I don't know, I send a lot of patients your way and I mean, the initial conversation would be like, hey, this is what it's going to be is kind of shocking for people. But um, I think there's so much value there, you know, and I get a lot of um, runners that pee while they're running and I get a lot of um, like incontinence in Mm -hmm. different areas and all that sort of stuff. And I even get um, like gastrointestinal problems that seem to be helped by what you do as well. Yeah, for sure. So definitely one of the things that we treat often and it's pretty common is incontinence or leaking. Um, And that can be categorized in kind of a few different ways. So you can have the really urgent, I really need to go to the bathroom and I'm not going to make it. Um, You can have the, I coughed or I did a box jump or, you know, I'm running and I leak Um, or you can have both. So it's, there's kind of multiple multiple um, ways you can have incontinence and it's super common in our athletes so um, we're seeing now in the research anywhere between like 20 to upwards of uh, even 70 percent in some sports um, for leaking so it's quite high in our athletes Um, and then of course just like you said some of the GI stuff so of course I always like to work with my favorite people like my NDs and dietitians and stuff on that obviously because there usually is a dietary component but um, sometimes it comes down to being able to control that when you're doing your sport or even after your sport or before your sport so yeah that's awesome yeah um did you play sports growing up i did i played a lot of soccer growing up so i played a pretty high high level um unfortunately i had a couple of too many concussions <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> yeah one of those um so i kind of stopped going into university just because i thought you know my brain's kind of important but yeah. um yeah no i played growing up so i'm kind of well versed in the athletic mindset and you know what people want to be doing when they're when they're playing their sport and kind of going back into athletics yeah and I find like that's huge to have some sort of background in in athletics as well and understand the mindset of athletes and how you know most of the goals is just to get back to play as soon as possible exactly do you feel like kind of your athletic past has made a big difference in your practice for the the patients that you see I would say so I think a lot of times um just understanding that like desire to go back and it can be really um difficult sometimes to have those conversations because there are times when we have to maybe back off a little bit or like find a new tolerance or find a new different way of training um and that's really really hard and I find that especially in my postpartum mom athletes um because we're kind of almost starting from scratch in a lot of ways when we're getting back into running or crossfit or whatever it is and that's a really hard pill to swallow um because there's so many different changes so I think understanding that and being able to have an open conversation and being able 
still to say, look, like I understand where you're coming from. It's not an easy thing to, you know, back off of doing whatever amount of exercise that you're doing or to change what that looks like. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I think if I were being told that, you know, when I was 18 years old, I would have had a huge problem <laughs> with it. Like for I would have sure. struggled for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it's hilarious. I was talking to my husband last night and, uh, we're like family planning in the future sometime. And I was saying like, yeah, you know what? Like I can't snowboard when I'm pregnant and I can't uh, play hockey when I'm pregnant. And like, do you know how much I'm giving up for this child? And he just laughed at me because he was just like, well, you want the child. Like it's, you have to make sacrifices. And I was like, but why don't you have to stop (laughs) playing hockey? And that's exactly it. It's always that like, I can't do this and I can't do that. And so I try and flip this, like the script a little bit as much as I can to like what we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, you know, there are some hard notes like doing things that might be (laughs) dangerous yeah um but you know when we're getting back into it a lot of times they're saying oh well I can't run my 5k I can't run my 10 and I'm like yeah but you can sprint and do like pretty high intense exercise for shorter periods of time and like look how great you're doing with that and so um you know talking to them on the physiology side saying you know what but in terms of like vo2 max and your cardiorespiratory systems like that's so beneficial Mm -hmm. um and that's gonna push you so much further in the long run so doing the things that you can do right now don't mean that you're not gonna be able to run your 10k in you know six months or whatever so yeah yeah i thought that was amazing too like one of my girlfriends and i did um a pretty long bike ride last summer i think it was like 68 kilometers or something long for me okay yeah I know you (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and it was three months postpartum for her and she nailed it like it was just amazing to me how the body's ability to recover postpartum is amazing definitely yeah Yeah. and I mean that's part of the problem too is they're so different every recovery is so different depending on how your pregnancy went depending on how your delivery went Mm -hmm. like there's so many different things that can be so different and so it's even frustrating for the same the same woman who maybe recovered so well during her first pregnancy and then the second one didn't go maybe as planned um, or was more difficult so like that can definitely be a factor for my athletes and really frustrating for sure oh I can imagine oh yeah Yeah. like I couldn't (laughs) imagine it myself sometimes honestly going through like a surgery recently it's like been so hard even just for me getting back into like what I want to do and I can't imagine doing that with a kid going through pregnancy for nine months doing um, you know maybe breastfeeding Mm -hmm. not sleeping well like there's so many factors so yeah it's huge and I know like everyone as an individual but I'm sure people are chomping at the bit to have like maybe like a top five list postpartum like what what should people be considering or what should they be doing yeah for sure so I think a lot of times the biggest one is our physicians um, will hear a lot saying oh you just need to get like your the six week mark and then go back to doing whatever you need to do and what we need to recognize is a lot of times the physicians or the OBs are really just looking at tissue healing and making sure that like your incisions look good but what we're not looking at is what the muscles have been under in terms of stress for nine months and then of course the hormonal changes and then also postpartum so a lot of times people think it's like they're ready to go at that six week mark when really by that point we're just starting to maybe get some basic body weight exercise in um, and kind of starting to work on that cardiovascular system so a lot of times that's kind of the very first thing I tell people is, you know, the six week mark isn't this magical number where you just get to go and like run your 10K again. Yeah, (laughs) I wish, but it's not always that way. Um, I think secondly is, you know, we have to take care of your mental health first and that's always something I screen. And if I notice that, you know, running is like the thing that's going to help you with mental health, like we're going to try and get you you know, doing something that can be beneficial to that. Um, We see so many, you know, moms be, you know, tired and all that stuff. So it's really important to get that component in for sure. Yeah, that's huge. And that's just kind of like an attribution to what a great practitioner you are because you're coming at it from, you know, a headspace Mm -hmm. um, aspect. You're understanding the athlete and understanding their goals too. And and like, what is a safe way to get you there as soon as possible? Yeah, definitely. And you know what? There's bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. Like every person that I see is kind of like a new experiment sadly like I wish it was very black and white but it's not you know I have some moms that do show perfect you know I have some screening protocols and stuff that we do before you go back and they're like killing it it's perfect and then they're you know they're running great for 5k and then all of a sudden they hit 5.2k and it just all goes like crazy. So, um, you know, we hit bumps in the roads, but those are important to hit too. It's no different than an athlete hitting a plateau or they're, you know, they 
have a hamstring strain and mm-hmm. we have to take care of that or nurse that for a little bit. So um, I think just kind of like comparing it sometimes to orthopedic injuries can make people a little more okay with it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what are some of like the main things that you treat? We'll break it down by uh, mm-hmm. female and male, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So obviously my females, um, I treat a lot of incontinence. So we know in Canada, we're looking somewhere between like one in three women, um, regardless of having a baby or not having a baby, may experience incontinence at some point in their life. Um, some statistics are even looking at one in two. So it's pretty pretty big. So that's a huge one. Um, but I also see a lot of people who haven't had babies. So that's kind of one of the biggest kind of things that people think that I do. They think that I only treat women who have had babies. Uh, But I see a lot of young athletes and Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more and more of that, um, especially with the awareness that's coming out for sure. So definitely the leaking. Um, We'll see things like prolapse. So that's where essentially the organs of the, like the bladder, the uterus and the rectum, they can actually prolapse into the vaginal opening. As Um, in like fall out. Pretty much. Yeah. They'll fall down. Like you're never going to wake up and your bladder's (laughs) just like laying on your bed. (laughs) kind of a good thing good visualization sometimes are actually scared of that um but yeah no so those ones can be really uncomfortable like sometimes people will say it's like they're sitting on a balloon or they feel like something's gonna fall out Mm -hmm. um so those kind of symptoms um so i'll see that a lot as well and then a lot of ones are just general like pelvic pain so Mm -hmm. we can see things like pain with intercourse we can see pain with periods we can see pain um in athletics Mm -hmm. so you can have you know pubic bone pain or tailbone pain uh those kinds of things or you know hip pain that maybe hasn't resolved um so i see that a lot in both men and women in terms of pain Um, And then with guys, I'll see testicular pain. Obviously, it's a little, um, I'll kind of get it ruled out medically because that's super important. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times they'll end up in my office because they're kind of at their wits end. There's no other real reason that it's happening. Um, And then I'll also see men who are maybe older or who have gone through prostate cancer. So sometimes when you have the removal of the prostate, they'll also be leaking as well. So kind of a broad range of things that I treat, honestly. That's awesome. You just get to see a new thing every day. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I know... I'm interested in this question for uh, incontinence or leakage. Like what is any amount normal or is it? Not really. So we pretty much say zero is normal. Obviously, there's a lot of commonality. You know, moms talk about it a lot. Um, But no, we shouldn't have any leakage at all Um, unless you've had like a procedure like a prostatectomy or like the removal of the prostate. Then, yeah, you're probably going to be incontinent. But ideally, you'd want to be Um, maintaining continence at the year mark for sure Mm -hmm. um and so yeah there's no real number you shouldn't have any (laughs) really yeah Yeah. um and i thought uh, you know we had done a talk over at blended athletics before Mm -hmm. and some of your uh stats for um duration of a pee is fascinating to me do you want to go through (laughs) some of that stuff so some of the things that i kind of go over with are just like general bladder habits and um bladder diaries are really annoying Mm -hmm. so sometimes i'll just send people away with the stats and like you let me know if you're really abnormal so generally most people should be peeing every two to four hours so one time that you sit down to the next time should be about two hours plus or minus little if you chug a coffee like we're about to now maybe in an hour i might need to go yeah. uh, but it should regulate throughout the day um, usually that equals to about five to eight peas a day or so um, and then in terms of duration so when you sit on the toilet and you count mississippis from for the duration of your as we pee, all do yeah right <laughs> everyone does that you're all gonna do it now uh, it should be somewhere between six and 16 seconds so um the one that doesn't really count is like your first morning pee. If that one's like 45 seconds, it's no big deal. But generally between 6 and 16, plus or minus a couple of seconds. And, um, you know, that's not a pure science, but it's good little check or screen. If you feel like you're really abnormal, then we look into it a little bit further for sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, so from my end of things, when I ask that question to a lot of patients, yeah. they're always like, well, I don't know what's normal. And I'm like, I know that's it's a <laughs> I really know the tough number, question. Yeah. <laughs> now I know the, or the your numbers behind it, but usually when I'm coming at um, frequent urination, it's an adrenal function type of right. thing. So we're looking at the renin-angiotensin system. So um, if you're finding like you'll have one sip of something and then you have to go pee right after and you just feel like you're going to the washroom all the time, yeah. I'm always looking at stress. Totally. And then you're potentially coming at it from um, 
like tight muscles? Yeah, for sure. So totally like stress plays a huge component. And this is where like I love sending to my NDs um, because stress is a huge component and stress usually will induce what's called a hypertonic pelvic floor or an overactive pelvic floor. So essentially we kind of have two broad categories in pelvic floor physio. So um, it gets a little more complicated, but generally you have the hypotonics or the underactives and they usually need some strengthening or maybe some more endurance, uh, maybe a little more power timing, that kind of thing. And they're going to do great. They're going to be fantastic. Um, and they're usually like my easier cases. <laughs> I like those ones. Um, but what I see more often is our hypertonic pelvic floors. And usually um, that's when your resting state of your muscles is actually tighter than your average pelvic floor. Um, and that kind of sucks because um, eventually you're going to fatigue. So it's kind of like holding five pound dumbbells all day. <laughs> that's not a lot initially, but by, you know, a couple of hours, you're going to say, Maria, I really got to put these down. Um, and so that will usually induce fatigue. Um, it also, you know, decreases the range of motion. So if you're going to cough, you're not able to recruit the musculature maybe as fast or as powerful as you need to. Um, so yeah, exactly. Like you're just not you might be overactive, which can be induced by stress. We have to look at those factors and like what the driver is behind why that's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing for me to find it, but we gotta figure out why it's happening. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those young female athletes, are you mostly seeing the hypertonic situation? Totally. Yeah. I would say right now, it's almost like 98% of my caseload, like mm -hmm. it in terms of that hypertonic athletic population um it's very rare that i find someone that's just straight weak mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very much that way and so yeah you know stress and the training um you know then you add in maybe varsity sports and school like mm -hmm. that puts a lot of stress on people for sure yeah yeah and that mechanism is a, is it just based on like the full body tightness so inherently you hold on to your pelvic floor yeah so it can be um and a lot of times it's a nervous system response so um no different than kind of when someone is really stressed and they feel really tight in their shoulders and you know you're like oh i just need to go get a massage like um it's very similar and it's that nervous system kind of reaction to wanting to um kind of tighten up and protect um for whatever reason so that fight or flight we're ready to go mm -hmm. um and it's hard to get athletes out of that and you know there might they may have always been predisposed to being a bit on the hypertonic side which is somewhat okay it's okay to have a little bit of hypertonicity if you're functional um, but the problem is a lot of these athletes are just like that constantly and then they go play rugby and they just lose it yeah right yeah yeah. And that's, um, I see that quite often too. And you're right. It's very difficult to like get them in the rest and digest state or the parasympathetic yeah. state. Right. So how much of that comes down to breath work for you? Um, I probably prescribe that to every single person that yeah. walks through my clinic for sure. And it might look a little different depending on the person. Um, but that's totally part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, number one, just like decreasing that that nervous system response, but to um, breathing really helps regulate what the pelvic floor is actually doing um, mechanically and biomechanically. Um, so it's kind of a twofold for me, but mm -hmm. um, a lot of it does come down to sometimes we need to actually talk about, okay, like for real, you need to see someone on stress management with just like school yeah. or what are your, like, what's your team dynamic like? And we get into these conversations a lot and I'm not really advising on it, but it does really help me understand, okay, you're a rookie and there's a lot of pressure on you and your teammates may or may not be totally accepting. You have to prove yourself. Your coaches are hard on you. And then you're also a first year student. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot on people sometimes. And oh, it's yeah. usually a huge um, group of girls that I see often okay yeah um and with that too I think like these young female athletes like I just really wanted to have you on to ed to educate more mm -hmm. because this is massive and I remember I went through the same thing like first year at Dal and um there were so many different things coming at you I didn't feel well I had horrible cramps horrible uh periods and yeah. I think like just even educating you know the masses on that that there are ways ways around this totally. and PMS is a syndrome right definitely yeah. what was your like thoughts going through as like a varsity athlete like why did you think that was happening just like out of curiosity like what the mindset is yeah. even these days where we do have a bit more access to information but I don't know we've been out of school <laughs> I know are we I, old <laughs> maybe maybe I felt old the other day <laughs> for sure I think um I've always had the bigger stronger faster mindset right. to my own detriment like yeah. I wanted to be the best at everything mm -hmm. um but now I'm paying for it you know I have yeah. extremely tight muscles I have really bad neck problems and I mean I'm sure some concussions would attribute to that as Definitely. well but I remember like um 
getting to Dal and having I everyone that I graduated with pretty well went to St. Avex. Right. So I was kind of like a newbie at Dal by myself, didn't have like a lot of, you know, high school friends to go out with. And then um I was just a walk on for the Dal team and um yeah, the whole situation was fascinating to me. Right. Like just trying to perform, trying to do well, not really understanding like Every month I was in debilitating pain. You'd have to get on the bus and go to St. of X to play or whatever. And you're like, how am I supposed to play? Where's the Advil? Yeah, Pass exactly. the bottle. 100%. The Costco size bottle. Yeah. I had no other options, right? Like you had to play, you had to perform, but no one was talking about this stuff. Yeah. And even in our workouts, like I think I mentioned it in another podcast, nothing was like uh, rest and digest. Nothing no. was breath work. Nothing was uh, releasing your muscles. We didn't have foam rolling back then. You like know? what is a foam roller? Yeah, yeah totally. Yes. It's so interesting because when I was playing soccer, um, I had one coach and I remember we were probably like 16 at the time and she was really into yoga and so all of a sudden one day she was like okay we're gonna go for like this crazy run and then we're gonna do a yoga class and we were all like rolling our eyes being like no one wants to do yoga like ugh and then at the end we did the like shavasana where you just basically lay there (laughs) and every single one of us came out of that being like wow we feel amazing yeah but then like you don't even really attribute it to the yoga. You're just kind of, and like that relaxation, you're kind of like, okay, so when are we going for the next run? Because yeah. that's what made us feel so good, you yeah. know? So it's so interesting to see, like, now we're understanding that that perspective. But before, it was the same thing. Yeah, that, that 8K run was really what did it for us, not that yoga. 100%. Yeah. And you could, I could never have put that together at that age, you know, to, no. to not train seven days a week or pick training specific to my body you know um no one was talking about that then so i'm so excited for the future and i think there's so many uh education pieces that young girls and boys have now that totally um, will be a game changer for them you know 100 percent. yeah i definitely agree and i think now we're just seeing that it's nice to have the research back it up too that you know peeing your pants isn't (laughs) like just a baby like oops i had a baby kind of issue it really does happen in younger women um it can happen from anything, right? Like you, and sometimes we don't even know why. And what we're starting to see now is some of our more high impact um, sports are starting to show definitely higher rates of incontinence. And why? I mean, we can kind of presume, but we actually really don't 100% know. Like, is it just that our athletes who are doing those activities don't um, have the ability to recruit the muscles to counteract that? ability to increase that intra-abdominal pressure maybe mm-hmm. or is there a component that like are we damaging ourselves by doing this so repetitively that we just can't meet that demand and we're actually hindering that um we actually don't even know the answer right now which is kind of interesting yeah or hit your head so many times the detrusor reactions yeah. Not yeah. as well and yeah right there's so many things that could go on and i think totally. like we're at such an amazing time for science especially for the populations that we work with you 100%. know yeah so so true so true um so what about when we talk about periods then mm-hmm. how can you help or what is it that you're doing that makes so much difference for a lot of the patients that i send over yeah for sure so i mean obviously we want to do the hormone regulation like that's super important and i probably won't wouldn't get crazy far unless there was some component of that um however a lot of times if you've been um prone to like that crazy um you know painful period your body goes in that protective mechanism and that can be around your period so if you're used to knowing that that's going to happen it's almost like your body ramps up and you know oh gosh this is going to be bad like i know what's going to happen so a lot of times um i'll actually treat on your period so a lot of people don't know that i do that um but i'd be in the wrong profession if a little blood freaked me out so let's be honest about that um so i'll actually go in and i'll actually do manual therapy um kind of like a similar idea to stretching or um kind of a neurofeedback idea um, to the muscles for usually around three months. And usually by that point, um, people come back with less reports of pain. Um, We'll also even try things like acupuncture. There have been some pretty good research coming out about certain acupuncture points that can be helpful. Um, So I'll also try all that with you if that's if the manual therapy isn't really going well or we'll kind of do both at the same time. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what we're tackling is like that musculoskeletal nervous system response to a period um, and kind of that fear around having a period because it can become that fearful response, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, One of the other things was a game changer 
not only in my career, but in a lot of the patients that I see too, is releasing the psoas muscle. Mm-hmm. That is a huge contributor to period pain. Totally. And yeah. like, we do know that, um, you know, there are certain like things like yoga um, and stretching that can be really, really helpful around periods. Um, even just simple like lymphatic and venous return. Um, so literally one of my best exercises for period pain is get on the floor and put your feet up on the couch um, and just like sit there for five to 10 minutes and just like let your pelvis just be offloaded. Mm. Um, I know in yoga, they like the people that do yoga are probably gonna be like, no, don't do that. But for like five to 15, 20 minutes, it's no big deal. It's actually really, really relieving. So yeah. that's like my favorite exercise. So if you have period pain, try that with a little heat pack, you'll love it. What a- why is it that they say don't do that i don't know i think it's like an ancient kind of like thought that your period should be coming out, out. and not back in or i i'm not actually sure mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of my yogis <laughs> look at me like no don't do that <laughs> and i'm like it's fine it'll feel amazing and they come back they're like yeah that was great <laughs> interesting yeah. uh let's talk kegels yeah all right kegels <laughs> <laughs> your favorite <laughs> subject favorite right? word yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, so what do you want to know about them? Well, I think like just there's a massive miscommunication mm-hmm. on their benefit and uh, when to use them sure. um, and what to use, I would say, as well. Sure. Yeah. So I guess when we're talking about a Kegel, we're really talking in in science terms a pelvic floor muscle contraction. So if we think about um, a bicep, when you're doing a bicep curl, usually if you're doing like a full bicep curl, you're thinking a full relax and a full contract so your arm would be straight and then it would be fully bent and so in a pelvic floor we're kind of looking at the same thing you'd have a full contract so um, the muscles kind of close so close around the urethra around the rectum around the vagina Um, and usually you'll get a big uh, a bit of a lift kind of towards your belly button so when I'm testing I'll actually feel my fingers kind of get sucked up and in Um, and then we're looking for the full relax as well which is usually kind of where that trouble comes um, in terms of range of motion so when we're talking about a keyboard we're talking about the full contract and the full relax Um, however a lot of times people can't do that so they're maybe really really good at the contract part but they're really bad at the relax part and so in a case like that a traditional Kegel exercise program or strengthening probably wouldn't do them well and they may actually get worse because they're going to contract and just get stuck and contract. So those people actually teach them a reverse Kegel. So actually learning what it means to be fully relaxed and teaching your brain what that's like. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people joke that these are very brain exercise um, and it's very true because you can't really see what's going on. So it's all about feel and visualization, which is sometimes tough for people. So yeah, sometimes Kegels are not the answer for everyone. Um, and there's different kinds. So we have, you know, your full um, 100% contractions. We have your quick contractions, which we're testing more of your power. So you'll need that for more of when you cough or sneeze. So you need to be able to quickly recruit the muscles as fast as you can before cough or sneeze, um, or maybe before a box jump or before, um, you know, a powered squat or jump squat. Um, your kind of sub-max endurance, that's important for our long-distance runners or um, anyone who's doing like an endurance sport. So you need to be able to kind of maintain some strength for quite a long period of time. So we'll test that as well. Um, so absolute strength when we kind of test that is not necessarily all that helpful in terms of information. So yeah. you could be a grade three out of five, which is kind of our prerequisite for, you know, major sporting activity. But like that doesn't really tell us a lot. Because how quick can you recruit that? Can you maintain that for a long period of time? Can you do it just once or can you do it 15 times in a row? Um, So there's a lot more than just straight Kegeling, you know? I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there a population of athletes that you see more frequently with issues than other? Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting. I think recently I've seen a lot of runners, triathletes, like my endurance people. And I have seen a lot of CrossFitters as well. I also have a good subset of rugby, volleyball. Rugby and volleyball are kind of the bigger ones, but research kind of states that some that's somewhat in normal. Okay. Um, so just like your high impact sports, basketball apparently is quite high in terms of the the um, incontinence rates. But yeah, and would that be just like jumping or? Yeah, it could be just from jumping. And some people like will see them maybe not incontinent necessarily during their sport, but then they're incontinent during their everyday life. So um, that's also interesting. Mm. And, you know, the other part of it is we don't really know how many of these athletes are experiencing dyspnea or pain 
issues. So, you know, that's a whole other subset that we don't really know a ton about Um, in the general population. That can be anywhere between 10 and 30% of our population that are experiencing some sort of pelvic pain, but we don't really know that in our athletes. And I probably guess it's a lot higher. Yeah, I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, And I think like, again, it's a little bit of a miscommunication that even sex would hurt. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it should never hurt. Um, I mean, maybe postpartum, if you had some tearing, initially it may be uncomfortable. Um, We can work with that. We can do scar tissue stuff. But other than that, it really should never be painful. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's a huge miscommunication. Like you should be able to use tampons if you want to use tampons. You should be able to put in a Diva cup if you want to use a Diva cup. Mm. Um, But that's not always the reality for a lot of people. So I'd be curious, even with our athletes too, around periods, that fear of like, being able to use a tampon during their sporting event like that's huge yeah 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 that's super interesting to me and I think I mean it's not always super fun for all practitioners to ask these questions Mm -hmm. but I think like there should be almost uh, a questionnaire for every practitioner that has to check in because maybe you're the only person seeing this person you know Um, and I don't know what that would look like or the depths of comfortableness that Mm -hmm. all practitioners would have but some sort of screen to be like hey you need to see pelvic floor I think would be there actually is one out there um, that I got on one of my courses that if anybody wants it they can dm me it's pretty basic but basically if you check off I think it's more than three I'd have to double check it but um, there's things like have you ever been diagnosed with um certain conditions like there's a bunch of them on there have you ever had hip pain low back pain um have you ever had x y and z and basically they just check it off and if they've had three or more you can kind of just say it actually says right on it like go see a pelvic floor Mm -hmm. physio um so yeah it's really helpful and i've i've actually sent it to a lot of the fitness trainers because it is uncomfortable for them to talk about yeah um but it's kind of nice because it's a piece of paper and they can say okay i noticed like you checked off a few things like why don't you go get checked out and then we can discuss it later. Yeah, that's huge. I think that's awesome to yeah. do. Um, I know I'm getting so many questions from uh, perimenopausal women and mm-hmm. menopausal women. Yeah. What do you see in that population or what's different there? Yeah, for sure. So obviously changes in hormones means changes in tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times we'll see um, with like the, the depletion of estrogen, sometimes the tissue doesn't have great integrity anymore. Um, and so again, that that inability to be able to recruit better and you know the tissue in our vaginal cavity um, is actually often fed somewhat by estrogen Mm -hmm. and that fat is actually really necessary so you kind of gain fat where you don't want it and you lose it where you need it Um, so sometimes now as you're going through menopause um, you're actually relying a lot more on the musculature than you ever have before so sometimes if it's appropriate I'll actually refer back to an MD for something like a vaginal estrogen um, supplement or something like that to try and plump up the tissue a little bit which can be helpful Mm -hmm. um and we'll see a lot of changes just in general to like your body and so we do know you know increased body weight can affect incontinence um of course aging affects incontinence so there's a lot of things that kind of change but of course hormonally is the biggest one for sure yeah and i think even um from my understanding like yes in medical school i understood the whole concept of menopause and perimenopause but Mm -hmm. previous to that like i didn't really understand it could start 10 years before it was yeah. full on menopause you know totally like yeah. you can have changes in you know periods for years mm-hmm. so sometimes you'll go almost a year which is kind of I think that's still the thing like yep. you need to go a year before you're considering menopause people will go like 11.5 months and then just have like a full year period yeah. um, so it's very wild and of course like then you also have the fatigue component people aren't sleeping mm-hmm. and like think about what that does to our athletes alone we know how important sleep is yeah. you know like that alone I don't even to do anything for pelvic floor and like if you get sleep you're probably able to be healthier, happier pelvis, honestly. Yeah, everything's yeah. recovering while you're sleeping, right? Totally, yeah. 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 And totally. I think that progressive crash in hormones comes with so many, such a variety of symptoms that um, a lot of people aren't aware of, like what that presents like. And, and people are like, my running game has changed and mm-hmm. you know, I'm a little bit incontinent while I'm running. Uh, I'm so tired, but I'm still trying to train six, yeah. seven days a week and things change. And I'm sorry that that happens. I but, know. And I'm almost like, so fortunate that I get to listen to these ladies' stories because they are powerful. And I think also um, it's such like a setting 
the path for me what do I have to watch out for what do I have to start doing and I think even the education pieces for women our age like so true unfortunately stuff's going down right yeah and our bodies change so much and um you know if you think of just pregnancy alone over nine months your body has completely changed then you have a then you have a baby, then many people will potentially try breastfeeding. That alone changes your entire body. Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on how long you choose to feed your baby, um, like breastfeeding, that can change your athletic performance alone as well. Like having larger breasts alone can Mm -hmm. totally affect how much weight you're moving around and how you feel. Like that, I can't tell you how many times women come in and they have to wear like 10 sports bras and have shoulder pain and that's affecting their ability to run. So um, as much as the pelvic health component is there, it's a woman's health issue. You know, there's so many more things than that. Yeah. And I think um, in safely saying that there's so many things that are changing, but there's a lot we can do to help. too. Totally. That's so true. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think we're getting so much better and Mm -hmm. like more knowledgeable. Um, I think social media is one of those things that has really helped that. There's a lot of misinformation, obviously, but that's why I have my like trusted practitioners that I send to. So when you are feeling fatigued, when you do have signs of postpartum, you know, anxiety, depression, you're not sleeping well, um, those are, you know, not something necessarily I'll tackle, but I definitely screen for so I can send to people like you who can help with like sleep regulation or, you know, those feelings of like loneliness and isolation. Like how can you help to make that feel better for a mom? So, yeah. Yeah. And even like um, sports psychologists too, I I feel like I need a bigger network of those because we took you from something that you were really good at and doing really well. And we changed everything on the inside and then said, still go do it. Good luck. You know? Yeah. And I think it's so difficult for athletes and it's, the same with an injury right yeah you once performed one way and now you can't do it anymore totally um and there is a million things that we can do to help so you know have faith in that guys but it's more so like the headspace around it you know and and even being okay with the changes is so difficult to do but once you become okay with it or once you kind of understand what's happening then Mm -hmm. you can progressively work towards your unfortunately new normal or potentially excitingly new normal you exactly know? i know and like that's also why i'm open to my patients messaging me on instagram when they have a crap day yeah. like message me when you leaked at the 6k mark and it's so interesting because they have so many like bad days that they'll message me and if you looked at our conversation it's all the bad but then you look at their instagram stories and it's so encouraging because they're like i hit 10k today and so um you know sometimes it's just nice having like the ability to message a practitioner is this normal is this something that can happen um and then even that return of your cycle like we both love our favorite book roar yeah <laughs> it's, it's stacy sims is yeah, the woman she's the best um i want to be her but <laughs> <Me too>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> one day maybe yeah. um but even just like talking women through how exercise is changing through a cycle Mm -hmm. and why that when you get closer to your period you might be more likely to leak like that's huge just understanding your own physiology and like why that could happen Mm -hmm. right so yeah yeah and we've been told for so long like I don't know if we've been told to hide it or if it just feels that way or you know Mm -hmm. don't comment on it don't ask questions about it don't um talk about pain like it's it's totally you know what I mean and I think you know, the more conversations we get to have, like, as you said, on social media or um, Stacy's book, Roar, like, is a great intervention for um, just trying to understand very, you know, easy concepts about what's going on. Totally. Like, yeah. it's so unreal what our bodies go through just, like, monthly. Mm-hmm. So even just having a basic understanding or just that acceptance that during times of our cycle things are going to be a little bit different Mm -hmm. yeah you're going to feel really fatigued sometimes or you're going to feel like a boss (laughs) like on your just after your period you're going to feel amazing um and so those are the times that i'm like go run your 10k like that's the time to hit those you know those performance goals and to and then when you get a bit closer to your period you know listen to your body like that might be a time that we start tackling more of our mobility work and like that kind of stuff that is just just as important to performance definitely and like with the estrogen increase you get that serotonin effect you Mm -hmm. get excited you get strong and you feel powerful Mm -hmm. but it also comes with a little bit more ligament laxity right totally so is you know lateral movements your friend at that time no yeah running a straight 10k probably maybe yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so and again all of this depends 100 
100% on the individual. So yeah. I get so many questions on uh, Instagram and I'm sure you do too mm-hmm. about what to do. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> so I have 8 million <laughs> questions for you before yeah. I can say what to do. Exactly. And I think that is a little bit of a disadvantage for women when they're asking these questions, but um, it all depends so much on your picture, on your sport, Mm -hmm. on your nutrition, everything. Totally. What's your thoughts on kind of battling fatigue through your period? Because I know that can be really tough when you have like a training schedule um, and, you know, depending on when that in your cycle that happens for you, like what are your thoughts on that and, you know, in terms of training and performance? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, as I had said before, like I'm bigger, faster, stronger, and I totally understand that headspace. But when I started slowing down or taking rest days or um, intentionally working in mobility and yoga and breath work into my insane schedule, that's when you notice the biggest gains. Totally. I completely agree. Um, What about like nutrition? Like what are your thoughts around like training in terms of like women's health? when it comes to those times where you are feeling so junky like mm-hmm. I know get that thought a lot is like well I just need to maybe eat a little more because I'm getting closer to my period and I need more carbs and mm-hmm. you know I don't actually even know the answer to that and I'm like oh, that's out of my wheelhouse <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. gonna have to go see cokes for that definitely and it's so interesting when it happens in the cycle and it, it depends on if you're um, on hormonal birth control because that's adding right. fake hormones to an probably already dysfunctional system sure. because why did you get it on and or why did you start a birth control in the first place right um so there's so many things that go into that but i would say for the most part like the pain and the bloating and all that sort of stuff that come pre-period is usually uh prostaglandins or inflammation right so that's a pretty good indicator that uh, you might have been eating pretty crappy or you're an athlete and you're always breaking down tissue yeah you know totally. so that a huge one to kind of mitigate some of that and again talk to your practitioner before you take it yeah for sure um is fish oils and oh, magnesium to uh, release those muscles a little bit better and fish oils decrease inflammation. And um, so those type of things are, and that's why like Advil feels good, right? Right. It's decreasing the amount of prostaglandins. For sure. So your pain goes away. Right. Um, so that's one huge one. And then the fatigue part, like no one is eating enough protein. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> I didn't get yelled at the other day for that, right, Coach? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. And it's, I mean, it maybe not enough food in general and then yeah. not, not enough protein on top of that. And I'm sure we're going to crave those uh, worse foods for us if we're hungry. Sure. Um, and I think protein keeps us fuller for longer. Yeah. And I also would much prefer real protein sources over, you know, I see so many shaker cups of protein yeah. going around and I get it. Like life is busy. Sure. We just need to get the protein into yeah. us. But any, there's so many foods that have protein in them that if you kind of snack on throughout the day, you'll probably hit your targets a little bit totally. better. But protein, uh, you know, certain amino acids are being used in our brain to um, help mitigate the central nervous system. Right. Right. So that's going to help with, uh, you know, the fatigue aspects of it is going to help with the anxiety aspects of it. It's mm-hmm. going to help with all that low mu- mood that can potentially come with uh, totally. your period as well. Yeah. And like that alone is going to help a lot of the symptoms that I see clinically. So, you know, that nervous system response really is so kind of the culprit for a lot of the things that we see. And, you know, think about our lives now. Things are so busy and life is just crazy. So, yeah. you know, that that initial need to feel stressed um mm-hmm. kind of in not a great way yeah. so some stress is okay but you know there is the that stressor that um you know can be so frustrating for a lot of people and it's hard to combat mm-hmm. it really is it's not an easy thing it certainly is not <laughs> yeah. and we're so habituated to it too right and that that uh saying I'm so stressed is yeah. always perceived as such a negative but stress keeps us alive yeah it, it keeps our motivation going <laughs> it keeps us functioning throughout the day so um obviously we're going to hit a maximum point of no beneficial return from stress yep. but I think we also see it as such a negative so anytime that stress response comes up it's such a negative thing yeah but I think like flipping the the script on that a bit is yeah. huge That's and then awesome. yeah and then also too um stress is going to come at us no matter what like yeah. this North American world doesn't <laughs> seem to be slowing down no. by any respect <laughs> the so, answer can't be moved to Europe <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. although the food I think is better there <laughs> yeah right um but with that it's more so like um our reaction to it that is one thing we can control and i think we've almost given our power back to stress and are up to stress i would say and um we're just letting it run our lives instead of being like oh my goodness i'm so stressed i'm working out seven days a week i'm doing like orange theory yeah i'm a lawyer i have three kids (laughs) like 
come on you can't do that no you can't it's just it there has to be a time when you can take a breath too right there has to be a time for that two minute breathing that you know yeah you do to combat what's going on yeah and i think our bodies are capable of the most amazing things like look at um triathletes look at any sort of massive athletic you know accomplishment it's yeah. amazing what we're capable of yeah but i guarantee you those triathletes those high level competitors are recovering appropriately yeah and that's the thing Absolutely. that we're forgetting in daily life you're training as if you're an athlete but you're not doing anything an athlete would do and then you throw a full-time job and kids on top of that a hundred percent like yeah. it's yeah we're we're kind of finding that new balance so like you said stress is important but there's a time and a place that the de-stressing component has to come in as well and you know you're right it is so important because it does create that motivation for us but motivation can sometimes turn into overwhelming you know things that you need to do yeah Uh, so yeah it's it's a definitely a balance for sure yeah i tell a lot of people to quit their jobs and kind of just laugh at it but it's more so like what are you what's your goal what are you working towards you know and if you're trying to get a six pack that's not conducive to the life that you're living yeah and people come in with those belief systems or goals because it's plastered in our face everywhere mm-hmm. but let's be really realistic how difficult it is to get a six pack it's so hard so hard every little yeah. morsel of food that goes in your mouth you have to weigh you have to account for yeah. unless you just have beautiful genetics yeah and in which case congratulations good luck yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're awesome <laughs> yeah. but for the most part like there's so much that goes into it and i think like whatever this mentality is i'm seeing a lot in you know 35 to 45 year old women i'm yeah. sure you're seeing it too yeah of the only downtime they have away from the kids or away from work mm-hmm. is they're going to the most intense fitness class yeah. they can find because they want to get the biggest bang for their yeah. hour of time right it's so true and they're training so hard yeah. and I'm very happy if that's like your goal, but we need to actually look at what your performance and like your training schedule really looks like. Yeah. Um, and that does change. So there's going to be times when, you know, March break for kids and you're watching your kids 10 times more is not going to be a time when like orange theory three times a day is a good idea. No. Um, and so, yeah, I think there, there definitely is a balance and it changes sometimes weekly. Yep. Like quite frankly, it changes all the time. And so checking in and making sure that there is a balance there is, is super important. And not even for like our, you know, moms, it's even for our young athletes. Yep. They're so pressured now between, you know, their like I said their school their sport I know I went to Acadia and there's such a big focus on volunteer work and community work so you add that on top of it and then some people need to maintain a part-time job yeah that's there what what hours in the day does that happen yeah <laughs> you it's know so difficult it's you so know is. and then I mean I laugh when I say quit your job but like let's find things that do work for you in your daily life like we can't change your life you no. know so it's more so like at your lunch hour why can't you digest food it's because you're holding you're breathing through your accessory neck muscles all day no blood flow is going to your digestive system you're holding in your pelvic floor and like you people like are cool because they didn't have to pee all day yeah because they could get more work done and you're like no (laughs) this is not how this works or they're like terrified to poop at work yeah that's huge i have to seriously have very big conversations i've got some great tips on pooping at work i'm a professional let's hear them so first of all you gotta go get the vi poo that is the best stuff ever it's the like scent spray you just put it right in the toilet it's all good is that natural I think it is, hey? I have no idea. I know there's one of them that, uh, there's the naturopathic side coming out. Is me, there? But I think there is one oh, that's like, oh. I honestly feel like it's probably Febreze, but who knows? <laughs> also Febreze. Also works. <laughs> you need both. Um, and then everyone's like so scared of like the whole sound effect situation. So if you have like your own, like our office where the bathroom is, it literally backs onto the like waiting room. So it's like super stressed what a build great idea whoever did that congrats on that design thank you um gotta just flip on the water i know it's a bit of a waste but you just gotta do it mm-hmm. um if you're in stalls you gotta just put a little extra toilet paper in first it just decreases the decreases the popping sound <laughs> i'm serious it's like the best ever 
or you just straight up just got to flip on the taps too. Yeah. So yeah, those are like my favorite tips ever. Um, and obviously convince your office to get a squatty potty. That's huge. I've yeah. been working on it here for sure. Yes. <laughs> I know yeah. our office still doesn't even have one. I don't know how that's possible, but we don't. I promise you this is a game changer. Like my husband thought I was crazy when I brought it home and he's like, what is this for children? And I was like, no, <gasps> it's going to change lives. It's so true. Like I have friends come over and they come out and like whisper like, I just had the best poop in your Ever. bathroom. Yeah. And like all of my friends went and got squatty potties. They love pooping at my house. <laughs> it's awesome. One yeah. of my girlfriends has like state of the art squatty potty. It's a little bit yes. higher than the other ones. Okay. And then she has like a tushy thing. Oh, so what? like it's spray. It's like a bidet or something. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. it's the best there. Get nice and clean. Yeah. And even oh, have conversations awesome. like this too. I know like girl to girl will yeah. have them and guy to guys obviously have them, but I think it's more so like it's, it's just your body. It's, it's just so doing true. Yeah. And it's so cool. Like my fiance was really like really shy about talking about this stuff. And then it just became like this normal conversation at the dinner table with our friends like family and our family like growing up was definitely a little more like prude like I come from like a very like Italian like we don't talk about that kind of stuff family Mm -hmm. and like we're so cool about it now and like me and my dad talk about it he like promotes my stuff Mike sends me like my fiance sends me patients he like sees a pregnant woman he's like you should see my fiance (laughs) so like you know it's so cool that even like my guy friends now and I've had so many of my guy friends actually send me patients um and it's so cool to even think that they're talking about it at all like two women yeah and women are talking to guys about it it's awesome yeah and even like in office still like people turn bright red when I talk about this stuff and even young kids turn or not young kids I would say like teens yeah turn so red about it and I'm like man it's I gotta know it's such a great indication of health totally I think it's so true and like even just talking about our own stories like you having period pain and Mm -hmm. like I remember growing up I was like fear of pooping Mm -hmm. like I would not poop to save my life unless it was like at home in the morning and if it didn't happen like I'd be holding it all day there's no way you'd catch me dad pooping at school yeah like it's just so nice to hear like our own experiences and how we can change the face of like what that looks like yeah and how um, much that could change somebody's life so if you can't go to the washroom all day Mm -hmm. then that's setting a habitual process in your brain right like you've developed a pattern yeah and we are such pattern oriented people so then all of the backup and then when we look on a hormonal context of that if you are constipated you're not getting estrogens out of your system nope and when those start to back up it wreaks havoc on your whole system so periods start to go um you're going to get a lot more pain and those prostaglandins that come out for inflammation mm-hmm. um and it's just a, a like a sequelae or uh, an event that happens if you're constipated so it's we so have true. to move things out of the system we have to and like i know me and you co-treat constipation all the time yeah. like you hit the dietary i hit the motility side and it's just like you have to you have to do it and you know if you're constipated on a pelvic health component like you are more likely to peer pants you mm-hmm. are more likely to have pelvic pain um you know if you're trying to hold it in all day that's a lot of stress on a pelvic floor Hell yeah. um that's a lot of work you're asking to just keep in like keep in all day so yeah it's huge and then you're adding in you know probably the bloating and the uncomfortable feeling so you're clenching your abs which also contributes to the problem like it's just this cascade yeah and to keep the cascade going (laughs) you're you're clenching all of those muscles which is putting you in a fight or flight state when you're fight or flight no blood flow goes to your digestive system yeah over time that backup starts to ferment almost in your stomach yeah um and that causes uh, gi inflammation which can be a whole host of issues so totally. once things start seeping out of your gi tract that aren't supposed to be seeping out you're gonna get brain fog you're gonna get uh, anxiety depression mm-hmm. you can wake up with joint pain you can like there's so many systemic outcomes 100%. of this and it's all from you holding it just go poop <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's so true and it's not just that easy I know yeah. that especially when it becomes habitual mm-hmm. um but that is why you and I tackle this so much like mm-hmm. we literally send back and forth for constipation I can't even tell you how many so people we've often. sent back and forth for this yeah yeah definitely so important um for a pelvic floor physio mm-hmm. is there some like general guidelines that you would leave Uh, for men and women like overall these are daily things you should be doing to take care of yourself yeah so I mean generally overall just like take care of your nervous system obviously that's like huge from kind of a systemic standpoint in terms of pelvic floor physio make sure you're peeing appropriately Um, if it's getting super out of control urgent and you're not making to the bathroom like 
go talk about it. Um, if sex or any sort of sexual encounter is painful or doesn't feel normal, get it checked out. Um, if you know you're leaking, get it checked out. Like it's basically anything that is seeping when it's not supposed to be seeping or stuck in when it's not supposed to be <laughs> stuck in. Like those are times that you you have to go get checked out. And you know, even just reaching out and messaging me or you and just saying, "Hey, like is this normal?" Mm-hmm. Like we're the first ones to be like, "Hey, yeah, like why don't you pop in for a bit and we'll we'll talk about it." And I have like free 15-minute consults to even see if you're appropriate fit yeah. for me or, "Hey, you know what? Like you got to go get this medically assessed or whatever." So, um we're scared to talk about it but the faster you deal with it usually the easier it is to deal with it you know Definitely. so general guidelines is if it doesn't feel normal it probably isn't yeah fair <laughs> yeah totally like fair. It, it sounds basic but yeah. it's it really is true like if it feel doesn't feel normal get it checked out and i think like one of the other hesitations that i see a lot of patients have with pelvic floor physios they're like well what are they gonna do right Walk me through that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, a vaginal or rectal exam is part of the equation often, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. So, you know, I'm not pushing if I don't need to do it, but generally the problem has probably gotten so bad that you're a little more open to having it done. Mm -hmm. Um, In saying that, a lot of people think it's going to be this like crazy extensive exam. You're going to be like wide open on my exam table. We're pretty careful about like trying to keep you as covered as possible. Um, you know, I have sheets, multiple sheets, like you're covered um, until I'm pretty much like where I need to be and then we'll deal with it at the time. The exam, honestly, I can usually get done between five and 10 minutes, including me teaching your first exercise. So it's usually pretty quick. Most people on like a, women who have had pap tests say it's way easier than a pap test. It's good to know. Um, yeah, most people are like, oh my gosh, that was so much easier. I don't use weird speculums. Your feet aren't up in weird stirrups. Like that stuff is kind of taken away, which, you know, people think of this like sterile, you know, room that's like an OR where your feet are up in stirrups. And it really isn't like that at all. And half the time we're joking, talking about our weekend, the majority of the time that we're in there. So when it's we're, pretty chill. Yeah. Like when we're treating, people come back being like, when can I come back? And so it's kind of funny that that happens. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Like I am the first one to tell you, I've been through all of these exams myself. So when we go and do these courses, I'm literally with all the physios learning all this stuff on me, mm-hmm. getting it done. I know exactly what it feels like. So I'm not doing anything to anyone that I haven't had done on myself. Um, and so that sometimes is a little more comforting and like, no one really loves coming and getting a rectal exam. Let's yeah, I was be just going to say that. It's not super fun, but like I'm going to make it as comfortable as possible. And I'm also going to abort mission if today is a day that you're just not having it and your nervous system is just cranky. Cool. Well, abort mission. There's lots of other stuff we can do externally mm-hmm. to try and like tackle the problem, like lots of education, exercise. There's so many things we can do other than internal if it's like a huge no-no for you. But um, really the gold standard is to have it done. Yeah. And yeah. I often mention it to uh, male athletes quite mm-hmm. often as well. Um, on that respect, I know you mentioned some of the things that you treat with male athletes, mm-hmm. but when should they know to go to you? Yeah, for sure. So same sorts of things. Like if you've had a really bad tailbone fall or hip or back pain that like isn't resolving with maybe your conventional treatment, um, oftentimes I can pretty much go in and assess and like reproduce your pain pretty quickly. Um, the other thing is if I go in and I don't find anything and you seem fairly functional, I'll probably still give you an exercise to work on, but I'll tell you straight up, like, I'm not going to be the person that might be the one that, like, fixes this for you. Um, And so same sorts of things, like big tailbone falls. Um, Even people who have – a lot of guys get, like, um, abdominal pain or, like, are pre-exposed to potentially getting hernias, that kind of thing. So um, the whole core system is really what I assess more than just your pelvic floor. It's a lot more of a systemic thing. Um, So it's really no different in guys. Mm. Um, it really isn't like the pelvic floor is pretty much identical in men and women other than like a couple muscles other than that pretty much identical so um we assess it the exact same way right on yeah um and then for guys to just i love to harp on this just because um the faces i get when i suggest (laughs) guys go see you yeah um and like Testicular pain. Tell me about that a bit. Yeah. So obviously testicular pain is really concerning when it first comes on. And it absolutely like as a disclaimer, if you have testicular pain, you absolutely should be going to an ER Mm -hmm. um, because there can be some pretty time um, time related things that need to happen very quickly if something is going wrong medically. Like testicular torsion. Yeah, exactly. Those need to be like 
dealt with right away. Yep. Um, so, but usually what will happen is they'll go get assessed for that and then they'll get probably an MRI or a CT scan. They'll most likely get um, your urodynamics like you'd normally get. You'll probably get an ultrasound. Um, and then what ends up happening is you go to a urologist, you wait a really long time, and the urologist says, well, I don't know, <laughs> go to pelvic floor physio. Yeah. And so they end up in my office like, how is this even possible that you're going to fix my testicular pain? Um, but the thing about the pelvis that's kind of cool and probably why I like it is the referral patterns are really different than anywhere else in the body. So if I press on your trap, like I pretty much know where your pain's going to go. I know it'll probably go up your neck, maybe a bit down your shoulder. We kind of know where they go. Yeah. Uh, but in the pelvis, I could press on your obturator internus and it can go up your back. Mm-hmm. It could go into your testicle. It could go into your perineum. It can go into your groin. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times it's actually referral pain that ends up being the testicular problem. Um, so that's one thing that I find really often that I've treated a lot of guys and it's kind of um, kind of named chronic non-bacterial prostatitis it's like this big long word for basically chronic pelvic pain in men Um, and so they think a lot of times it's maybe induced by an infection or whatever and um, their muscles again just go into that protective spasm and it comes out as testicular pain so yeah it's pretty much no different than a woman's uh, chronic pelvic pain and that it from a musculoskeletal standpoint Um, but yeah for men there are some like very important things that need to happen very quickly and women as well there are concerns there as well but i know women get pushed off sometimes a little more often yeah is just kind of saying that that's a really great point is there any um signs that women could be experiencing that you're like go to emerge yeah um obviously anything that comes on like very quickly i definitely would want to know right away so um obviously we want to take care of utis very quickly um A lot of times the biggest one that I see in women are like chronic pelvic pain, but it's induced by something. So they have like a really bad wild period or they have um, a UTI and then bacterially it looks totally fine. And then they still have like severe pain. I would try and get that treated as soon as possible. both medically, but then also physio, because that can progress very quickly into chronic pelvic pain. And then we even start seeing things like interstitial cystitis and those kinds of things, which become a lot more difficult to tackle. Definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, interstitial cystitis because that is massive. Huge. And it's something that you and I can both work on and make symptoms significantly better. Totally. It's like a pure multidisciplinary approach when it comes to IC. And again, like sometimes I get these referrals from urology and they're like, honestly, there's one medication that you can try. It's super expensive. And if it doesn't work, we got nothing, got nothing. Yeah. Like we can try some um, bladder installations and see what happens. Most people that in my experience haven't done well with them. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, now what? So yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know what I see is essentially it's a bladder pain syndrome so usually you'll have like frequency um urgency with urination and often bladder pain so that's kind of what categorizes it but it's again a broad umbrella term so some people have dietary triggers some Mm -hmm. people will have musculoskeletal triggers stress triggers yeah anything else that you see with ic yeah pretty much those ones uh huge is uh food sensitivity yeah huge (laughs) yeah and for whatever reason it's presenting there but it's it's more of like the systemic inflammation system that we're seeing totally it's interesting because there there's this like list of foods for ic (laughs) and like (laughs) so i did some like digging into what this like food list was because it seemed like every time that we discuss this with people it did it wasn't really helping yeah and so i <laughs> kind of did some digging so basically how this list was made was essentially in the u.s they anyone who had this like bladder pain syndrome they sent them out a sheet and just said write down the foods that bother you <laughs> and then they basically took took them all in and they compiled it into the most common foods and that's what it was that's so silly it's not like so non-scientific but we're using this as gold yeah and usually like now we're seeing um that really most people only have about five to six triggers Mm -hmm. or the things that aren't even on it are like dairy Mm -hmm. and gluten which are sometimes the biggest inflammatory inflammatory properties (laughs) like why are we not thinking of that i know i think about that all the time and and i've kind of just uh every time i see that list i'm like chuck it because yeah what if it's like 
green beans you know <laughs> like it could literally be anything it, it that, really could be anything yeah. yeah so that list is kind of sometimes we use it to say hey trial it but quite frankly eh, i'd rather them go see someone like you who knows how to actually do a proper food elimination mm-hmm. um, and the urologists are still giving this out like it's very well known that they're like hey go check out this ic diet and they're mm-hmm. like maria like i've done everything i cut out lemons and this and that and nothing has changed yeah and yeah. additionally added stress to the system totally. trying to cut all that out making symptoms worse oh my gosh i can't tell you how many people have come in like i am so stressed i can't figure it out one day it's tomatoes one day it's not tomatoes and it's i just one person i just looked at her and i was like just eat what you want for two weeks and let's just see what happens yeah just eat normal yeah and she was like really like i did all this only- i was like is it working mm-hmm. no and then i ended up sending her to you because i was like okay that's my best <laughs> advice but i was kind of like you know what you're putting so much additional stress on your life you've lost weight like you don't look good mm-hmm. just let's tackle other things let's try something different like if it's not working it's not working mm-hmm. you know yeah that's huge and i think like you and i could chat about different oh my cases gosh. still the cows <laughs> like come forever, home, yeah. for sure definitely. and i know we will like we'll definitely have you yeah. back on again and i think no, a lot sure. of people um would be super interested in um even the mechanics of a lift when to breathe when Literally. not to breathe we yeah should, we like, should film definitely that do that one. yeah we should do a film one yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. and uh just so many avenues and i'm sure um you'll have a lot of questions from this so yeah. where can people find you or reach you at yeah so basically my name i have a complicated name it is long. i know it's just maria radelich so basically if you go on instagram and type in maria R-A-D-E-L-I-C-H I'll pop right up Um, so yeah you can DM me anytime I'm pretty responsive Um, if you hit the contact button it'll go to my website you can email me you can call my clinic you can literally contact me any way you see fit or go to Coax's profile (laughs) you'll probably see me tagged somewhere in there at some point Um, but yeah you guys can contact me anytime you have questions and it can be the most scary question you ever thought you'd ever ask and I've probably heard it 16 times so don't be scared to ask the crazy questions for sure yeah like have you ever heard of we probably probably (laughs) yeah is it weird that (laughs) is this normal when yeah heard it all and so for most of these uh podcasts I'm always finishing with a question for uh, Mm -hmm. future generations coming out so uh for athletes I've been asking you know how did you get where you were what kind of note would you Mm -hmm. instill on people coming up but maybe for you like if people are interested in the career choice that you've chosen what do they do how do they get there for sure so Yeah, I think the first thing is just be really open-minded. If you would have asked me if I would have been doing this even five years ago, I would have laughed. I would have been like, I'm doing what? No, 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 no. Um, I thought I would work just like orthopedic injuries, and I am working orthopedics. I I am working um, with my athletes, so it's just a bit of a different avenue. But um, for me, the way I kind of got into it was through physiotherapy school. Um, Each most physio schools have about a week of each specialty um, and then you have to come out and do extra training and doing it Um, so you have to be passionate about it I think to be in this position but there are other other avenues to work with pelvic health like there are a lot of um, fitness trainers now who are specializing in in pelvic health type exercise um, and taking a lot of courses that I've taken um, just it's an external approach Um, and so I'm starting to work more and more with that group of people so you don't have to be a physio to have a passion for pelvic health Um, and maybe you want to train people after they've kind of seen me and they're ready to rumble like take them on Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah so that's kind of how I ended up in it but I think the biggest thing is just be open-minded and don't be scared to talk about things that are uncomfortable because once I was very scared to say the word vagina and now I'm like vagina <laughs> so now it's like no big deal yeah, <laughs> yeah. And as soon as we start talking about it then uh, you know ever so slightly maybe I don't know visit two or three you don't turn beet red when I mention no. it or totally. you know, different vaginal infections like it's it happens there are times now people are like taking off their pants before I even leave the room <laughs> they're like no it's fine girl yeah <laughs> like exactly. it's okay I'll be right back <laughs> just hang on yeah yeah so you know it does get a lot more comfortable and the more that we normalize it, the more people are just like, hey, I'm just getting these muscles treated no different than my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, thanks so much for sharing thanks all of this amazing me. info. Yeah. Um, and again, people reach out to Maria. She's so open and so kind and oh. friendly. So Keep going. Uh, no, she, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely an amazing resource. And even on her uh, Instagram feed, there's so much great information. So uh, thanks again for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cokes. Okay, bye. Bye. 
so as you guys can see, Maria is a wealth of knowledge. Um, she shares so much good information on her Instagram as well. So if you guys want to go follow her, it's at Maria Radlich. And Radlich is spelled R-A-D-E-L-I-C-H. And as always, I'm at sports.coax.